Hey, I'm Chris Taylor. I just wanted to welcome you to my backyard. Hey, y'all. This is Jason Gould. Thank you so much for uh, listening to Mastermind Midland. We are on my good friend Chris Taylor's back porch. We've got dogs barking, cars driving by. We've got the grill firing up over here. You're going to hear mowing yards. You're going to hear all of that. Um, we hope it adds to the experience, and we thank you so much for participating and and partaking in our conversation today. Anyway, I'm gonna ask Peyton again on practice on Tuesday. You want to be a goalie or you want to be on the field? And if he says goalie, then his dad can kiss my ass. And I'll be like, I want to play the kid where he wants to play, and he's a good goalie. He's one of the, my top two goalies on there the team. You know. Yeah. Guess what? That counts for something. Yeah, it's like they're nine. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're nine. nine. High school level. Guess what? If you suck, you don't get to play. Yeah, yeah. True. Well, it's our last episode, man. Last episode of season one. How are you feeling? I feel hungry. All right. Well, walk us through what you're going to be cooking today. What is on the menu? All right. Today, last last episode of the season, uh, we want to go big because we're already home. And... Uh, We've got three two-pound, this one's 2.45-pound tomahawk steaks. We'll bust these bad boys open and show them to you here in a little bit, but I want the flies all over them. Um, we're going to be seasoning those up with TD's Brew and Barbecue, aged bourbon, aged, barrel-aged aged bourbon. bourbon. Wow, let me get that out of my mouth. <laughs> and uh, that's going to be the sweet. We're going to throw some spicy with the TD's yep. three chili cilantro around the edges. And then once we're done, I've got sauteed jalapenos, onions, cilantro, and garlic, sauteed in butter to top the steaks with. Um, so that's going to be great. Um, we've got garlic, parmesan, um, marinated shrimp Heck on yeah. skewers. We also have um, shish kebab, the vegetables. So we're going to be grilling those bad boys up, a little bit of salt and pepper, uh, and fresh fruit as always. Surf and turf. Surf and turf. What did you want for a theme? You want to like an and outback? Kind of like an outback. Like I mean, well, we're outback, but like outback <laughs> down under the Australia. Like yeah, something okay. along those lines. An outback steakhouse sucks. I'm not a fan. Sorry if you are. They're terrible. No, no, the service has definitely gone downhill. The food yeah. has gone downhill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's along the days where my dad's favorite movie was uh, Crocodile Dundee. Right. Yeah, we're a long way away from that. Yeah. So in the spirit of the theme, my hat today, I was trying to go down under, and uh, I did not achieve it. No, that's... This is not the hat. If down under's in Cuba, you're winning. <laughs> I got this hat in Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> <laughs> well, close enough. <laughs> So, in the spirit of that, I know you have a Chris Taylor specialty for a drink. Walk us through it. What are we drinking today? All right, man. So, what we've got going on, I know we previewed this episode before last. Uh, this is a Willet um, straight bourbon. Okay? This stuff mm -hmm. is super delicious. I love the bottle. I think it's super cool. Um, it's a really nice bourbon. It's kind of stitched in. It's 94 proof, so it's not wow. as strong as some of the other ones we tried on this podcast. We've tried some strong ones. Yeah, and uh, we found that that makes for either more interesting contact or 
content or less interesting content. I don't know which, but um, we'll find I'm out. sure you guys are going to post on those and let us know what y'all think. You'll know which ones they are. I think episode three. <laughs> three is where I got lit. Three was lit. Uh, so make sure if you haven't watched three, go back and watch three. Leave a comment. Tell us what you think. Um, we're going to mix orange bitters and aromatic bitters today. We're also going to have kiwi that is diced and placed in the drink. We're also going to have the amaretto cherries. We're going to sweeten it with agave. And we're going to use sparkling water. And then we're going to smoke it with pear wood. Um, and then top it with the rind of an orange. So I can't Candy. even in good conscience call this an old fashioned because um, it has some characteristics of it, but is in no way one at all. So, so we're gonna just call this a down under new fashioned. A down under new fashion. Okay, these are super easy to make. Um, just more ingredients than usual. So I'm gonna say easy, not necessarily simple. So, so. What, so what? So like what made you think of this stuff? I don't know. I just think of the way things taste together and I try and put it all together. I do the same thing when I cook. I just yeah. think of the way it smells or the way it tastes and I kind of imagine how it all blends together and try and come up with something that's balanced. It's like I want the sweet, I want the the tangy, I want a little bit of the the citrus and the bitterness and and some extra sweetness from the cherries and, and all these things all working together and then the smoke really just finishes it off and gives it that forefront aftertaste and uh, just makes for a really interesting drink. Well, put it together and let's see. Uh, right on. Let's see what happens. So we just start by adding the agave. Okay. Throw that in there. Cover about three quarters of the bottom of your glass. Normally pretty good. Um, the stuff's pretty thin, depending on which one you're using. If you got a heavier syrup, be careful how much you put in. Um, then we're gonna go ahead and throw three dashes of orange bitters. Then we're going to throw three dashes of the aromatic bitters. And I've tried it uh, when I was sampling this with one or the other, the orange or the aromatic. And really, I highly recommend both if you're going to try and make this cocktail. Um, neither one is impressive on their own, mm. even with the rest of the drink made up. They, it's just lacking. Interesting. So, uh, they work well together, though. We're going to go ahead and add our sparkling water. This is unflavored sparkling water. Um, to be 100% honest, I think that you could probably get away with uh, lime sparkling water and it would actually still taste pretty good. Okay. Um, I think there's enough room for that extra citrus balance in there to make that work. Then we're going to go ahead and take this chopped kiwi that I've got. It's diced up. And we're going to drop that in the glass. Make the nice little bubbles. <laughs> Man, this, I'll tell you what, like, as wow, good as dude. this drink tastes, the presentation of it's just really cool. Um, it definitely looks neat. Um, it's got some of those more feminine aspects of a fruity drink, but sure. um, when it's finished, you really can't deny the masculinity of it either. So it's, it's definitely, definitely a well-balanced drink uh, from both aesthetics and, and taste. Interesting, man. Would you call this your masterpiece? Man, when you're making drinks, there's no such thing as, as a, a masterpiece. masterpiece. <laughs> it's just the best drink of the day. Okay. Okay. So and, this uh, is the best one so far. This is the best one today. Even uh, more than the, uh, what uh, What did we call that one? A maple syrup sunrise? I really, when I was making this, I was going through my pantry thinking of what I was going to put in it and, uh, and trying to figure that out. And I came across that stuff and I was thinking the same thing to myself. <laughs> I was like, is this going to be better than the maple syrup sunrise? And... I wouldn't say yes or no. They're too different. Okay. 
because I really like the maple syrup. So it was, like, especially with the cinnamon stick. It was really good. So cool. And we're just gonna give that a stir. Let some of that ice melt down. And we've got a nice, nice peachy amber color coming out of it now. And then this is where the magic happens. Cool. Yeah, we're going to take a little bit of that out. Mmm. That is good. Tasty. Yes. Cool. And we're using pear wood chips. Let me throw a little bit more in there. And and this kind of gives it a, a little bit of a sweet, but but the pear is really kind of a neutral smoky flavor. It's not so acidic okay. as some of the other ones are, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah. And uh, and so I really like it with this because this drink's really about a lot of really subtle flavor. There's nothing in it that's super bold. Interesting. And uh, and so it's different than a lot of drinks I make where you can really pick the individual flavors, and as many flavors are in this. It's really kind of mind-blowing that it comes out really as almost its own singular flavor. Um, I just love seeing that smoke come out of it. Oh that yeah. is cool. Cool. Let's add a little bit more back to this one. Wow, man. There we go. That's magic. That's magic. So we've got the nice smoke, and we're going to go ahead and... Throw these amaranto cherries on a on one of these cool metal toothpicks I showed you guys not so long ago. Drop that in the side of the drink. And I really like these in these types of cocktails over the maraschino cherries. The maraschino cherries are just so overly sweet. Yeah. That I think that they they take away from some of the other less bold sweetnesses in the drinks. And, and so I really like these. They're, they're truly a good cocktail cherry. And we're going to go ahead and peel off that orange wedge. Wow. You all right? Yep. Did you actually draw blood? I did. On a podcast. I did draw blood on a podcast. Dang, so man. I told you this was going to lead to war today's <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I didn't even know you could cut yourself with one of those <laughs> yeah, things. You barely so. can, dude. Your fingers cut out pretty good. Yeah. That's talent right there. It's not that bad though. It's more like a paper cut. Sure. One of those thin. Those are cuts. irritating. Yeah. yeah, man. So it'll be fine. Just adds to the taste of the cocktail, right? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, just press it for a couple seconds, right? Yeah, it'll get there. Let's let's taste this goodness. All right, man. So, cheers. cheers to the final episode. Man, can't believe we're here. Blood, sweat, and cheers. Bloods. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just named the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Remember, uh, we filmed this entire season on uh, Chris's backyard, or in his backyard, on his back porch. And so, yeah, you'll hear dogs, and there's definitely one going on right now. There's actually a... a a symphony of them I'm getting one over there and two over here so so oh, yeah we've got dogs in surround sound as I hear some kids yelling um, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll hear some cars driving by so uh, it's just all part of the show um, so sit back relax and uh, let's dive in this conversation Jason you want to lead off with what we're talking about today what do you think of that drink yeah well, let's talk about the drink for a let's second let's talk about the drink wanna... for a second because man it's just this is a hard a one to nail down different drink 
First of all, it looks like a million bucks. It is just a cool look. I love the way this drink looks. And I mean, you can see all the way through it. I think the seeds and the kiwi, and you can even taste the kiwi a little bit. Like I said, there's nothing in it that has a super bold, independent flavor. It melds these so are, well. These are very soft tastes. It's just delicious. Um, that is very interesting. It's super interesting, but it's really good. It's almost like, Luke, you know, the rest of the drinks do have strong overtones. So it's like we know what we're going to get. And you don't really know what you're going to get with this. Yeah. And it definitely doesn't, whatever your expectation is, it definitely doesn't taste what it is. Right. But it's still really good. Yeah, I'd almost like to try that bourbon straight just so that I could get like a baseline. I know because you almost can't even taste it. Yeah, this, it's crazy. This is a genuine cocktail. I mean, it's a mixed drink. That is darn good, man. Yeah, dude, cheers to you. You got you one. That Thanks, is man. awesome. Thank you, sir. <laughs> People are going to be making this now. Holy cow. Yep. Well, we're definitely, um, this is... I'll, I'll just tee it up by saying, man, of all the conversations we had, if we're if if one can make a case that we were going to mess one up, this would be the one to mess up. Yeah, but I feel really good about this. One. Sure. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, we are definitely going to go into this conversation um, structured. Yep. We, we... And I am going to lead that conversation today. And just so you guys know, I mean, I've got pages worth of notes here. Um, because we want to be as intentional as possible and as organized and focused in our thoughts. This is the last episode to wrap up this entire concept of the primary operating principle. Sure. And um, I don't want to end on anything other than a high note. I agree. So with, with that being said... Remember, we have discussed, and I have the whole review here. For the first week, we talked about the who. We um, identified who we are. Yeah. Um, and and uh, who we are in relation to the primary operating principle, where this came from. Because this wasn't theory that we read in a book. And not to say that we're the ones that have invented this. But our interpretation of this has definitely come from our relationship together over the years and who we are as individuals it's an extension of ourselves absolutely and so that first week we really dived into that that was a great conversation it was a lot of fun second was the why and we did a lot of vision casting and vision casting is always fun it's, you just, and I, it's entertaining i mean while you're it's it's an experience in and of itself yes yes and let's face it leadership is vision casting right you and i enjoy it because of our position as leaders it's just something that out of necessity, we have to do. And 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 so, therefore, we enjoy doing it. And so it was a fun conversation because of that. Um, but for the audience, that really did set the stage of, why should I care about this? Like, And it's not looking at it from a negative standpoint of, of you don't want to be like this. The whole point of the vision casting was, man, you, you could be this, right? It's not trying to not be something. It's trying to aim toward toward transformation, towards something. 
Um, that was a really, that's why that was a powerful conversation. The next one was where, um, man, we specifically wanted to steel man our own argument and try and poke holes in it and try to see, okay, maybe it just applies for you and me, but maybe this doesn't fit for everybody. Right. And, uh, so that was fun just because we took, we, uh, took, uh, the opposite end of the conversation. We were kind of antagonists toward our own premise, which was cool. Um, then we really talked about... So that was the first half of Season 1. Then we began the second half of Season 1 with discussing when, um, you know, positioning and shifts. When do you actually shift toward a primary operating principle? And that was a necessary conversation. I think so. I think there's a lot of value presented there. Um, because if you're going to consider this, you have to be introspective, and you have and you have to consider those things in your own life. So I really hope by you and I talking from our own experience, we were able to add value and and help them about just help you understand where your own commitment level is and into change cuz we talked about if if you're not committed there's this is not a space for half measures exactly exactly and so that left to last week which was kind of the meat and potatoes we 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 gave a technical breakdown we discussed what the primary operating principle actually is in its formula sure and now that leaves us to this conversation so i mean First of all, step back for a second. People can say, well, why did you spend six ep- episodes on a podcast breaking this down? It seems a little redundant. Well, no. Hopefully, if I categorize you know, all the different stages of where we've come, it just becomes self – where we've come in our series of conversations, that it becomes self-evident that, man, I mean, this is – Accumulative. You've got to really seriously watch one episode after the other. We we have taken the time to bring you from point A to point Z on this journey every step of the way. Well, we're we're trying to fit years of experience into fifteen hours of content. Yeah, yeah. And so, but I mean, I can almost hear in the back of my mind, like, like just get to it already. Why haven't you talked about today's conversation? It all adds oh, up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because today is how we're going to talk about the application slash execution of how to automate the primary operating principle. Um, And we spent so much time hammering relationship. We're now where people like just get off the relationship relationship stuff already. We get it, right? We have definitely beat relationship (laughs) like a dead Dead horse, horse. man. And now, I mean, it's 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 like why haven't you gotten to this yet? Well, there's a reason why we haven't gotten to this yet, and that is for that reason. Because if we didn't take the time to lay the groundwork, so many different angles of the relationship that you have to understand before you can start executing in the system to come back to that. So, with that being said. Um, this week, we are going to be specifically talking about general components of automating the primary operating principle. I say general components because we realize that if we're talking in a way that applies to everyone, we have to paint with a, of pretty wide brushstrokes. Sure. Right? Okay. So, this last conversation, before we get into it, I want to preface right off the bat. We are working with some uh, 
assumptions. Okay? So we have to agree on these assumptions before we engage in this conversation. I think that's fair. Chris Taylor, assumption number one. Is it fair to say that the audience of who's consuming this content, their wildly important goal, let's call it the wig, Okay. Uh, to go off the four principles of execution, great book. So their wildly important goal is to maximize relationship focus in building their business. I agree. Is that a fair assumption? Yeah. Okay. So as we're having this conversation today, if that's not you, then we're assuming that we're not talking to you. Uh, number two, that this is not the norm in any industry, including whoever's listening in their industry as well, and will therefore require mind sh- mindset shifts to implement what we're talking about today. I completely agree. Um, I, I see that a lot. I mean, I know I'm abnormal in my industry, you're abnormal in your industry, and from my experience in the world, every industry has people that are doing what we're doing, but it's not the norm. It's not, it's not the, the majority, not and it's barely the minority. We're talking about a very small percentage of business owners operate this way. So if you're going to have our level of success, you're going to have to realize you're in the minority. And so, therefore, buckle up because there's not a whole lot of support out there. No, everybody's going to laugh at you. Everybody's going to call you crazy. Um, all of my peers do. Yet they come and want to know how I'm doing it, and then they tell me and think that is preposterous. Or then I tell them and they think it's it's ridiculous. Like, that's not that's not why you're doing so well. Actually, it is. <laughs> well, that's just ridiculous. Assumption number three, last assumption, that whoever at this point is still listening wants to hear about and believes it is necessary to successfully automate us their systems to accomplish maximizing relationship growth. Is that a fair assumption? I would think so. If, if you're on episode six with us of season one and you've watched the other five episodes, I would hope that you've kind of got a level of buy-in into what we're talking about and, and that you're starting to think that it applies to you or you already have realized and, and accepted the fact that this is for you. Um, and if it's not, I'm not sure why you're here, but I, hopefully this changes your future either way. Okay, so so just important to lay the groundwork. That's where we're operating. Those are the things that we're assuming as we have this conversation. So if you don't fit any of those assumptions... Um, this probably isn't going to make perfect sense for you. Yeah, and we're really not going to speak in such a way that's speaking to you because we're speaking to people that fit these assumptions. Sure. But this is... Okay, so now before I have the conversation, one more thing from you um, or before I get us started in this conversation. Okay. Um, do you need to set the grill? Um, actually I do. I'm going to go ahead and fire this bad boy up and I'm going to do it a little bit differently because we've got these monster, uh, steaks. Tomahawks. They are, yeah, these monster tomahawks. They are not going to cook as fast as our little, uh, tenderloins do. So right. I'm going to start this grill off today at 450 and go ahead and get a front end sear. And then nice. we're actually going to put them on the top rack after we sear them and let them slow cook while we get the vegetables on and we'll finish off with the shrimp. I'm a fan. Yeah, that's awesome. So crank this bad boy up to 450. You know, let's do 425. I think that one's going to work great. We'll try it there and see how we go. Uh, so we'll smoke a little bit here in a minute, but cool. we're on our way. We're on our way. So logically then with those assumptions, 
like think of it as like a sales funnel, right? There's probably a lot of people that have come to this podcast that were like, yeah, first or second episode. Well, that well that was fun and they fell off, right? At this point, if we're at this point of the sales funnel, um, we legitimately have some people that are interested that think that we have some value. What's our big ask for those people? Really, if if you, if we've helped you in some way or we've helped change your mind about how you look at the business world, then. And if you would like and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. Um, we'd love to be able to engage with you. So um, get on our Facebook page, get on our Instagram, comment right on the YouTube video or whatever platform you're watching us on and get engaged. We do want to engage with you. We want to build a relationship with you as well. And uh, I, we really want to grow all of our industries together. And, and our goal with this is really impact and changing the world, uh, specifically the world of business. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I could add to that, it just I'm so curious to to see who else fits in our tribe. Sure, I'm I'm excited to meet other like-minded people, individuals. individuals out there in the world. I don't care if you're in Canada or Italy or in California. If if this resonates with you, then then please join up with us and uh, and let's let's go out there and, and grow our businesses together. And I'd say that's if someone's like, why did you start this podcast? Like. Well, that's the reason why we started putting our conversations on camera was for that aim right there. Yeah, man. Okay, so this conversation, to keep it as clear and focused as possible, we're gonna break it into two, the principle and then the execution. And I think there's four primary principles of automation and I'm totally open to the fact that I'm wrong about this, that I've missed the mark in some way, that this isn't exhaustive. So let me actually rephrase that. Yes, sir, you got the smoke. We've got the smoke. We have the meat. Um, we're not Arby's. <laughs> we're not Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not sponsored by them either. No, we're not. Um, there's four general components that you and I have been able to identify. So, those four general components of automation, we'll just call them principles. And they are, you need to automate, you need to put systems in place to automate chaos control of your whirlwind. And we'll definitely talk about what that is. Second, quality control for the time, price, and value of your offering. Yes. Number three, you need systems in place that that automate or promote individual accountability. And last, that measures success for the entire team. Generally, if you can apply those four principles, those four general components of automation, you should be successful in, in automating um, your primary operating principle. I agree. That 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 you have enough odd automation in place to keep the relationship focus primary and efficient in the way that you and I have discussed in past episodes. Yes. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. So we're using the word system a lot. Let's stop for a second and actually define what we mean when we say system. Okay. Um, I'll uh, give my two cents and then I'll pass it over to you. Okay. Quite simply, in business terms, you have activity, you have goals, you have processes, you have systems. 
Yep. And each four of these things are different levels of of what what we would call the business experience, right? So the first level that you achieve is just activity. Man, you start this business and you're you are just doing everything in your power to figure out what tasks you need to do, what a workflow looks like, what's the activity of the day to day, right? And then if you're going to reach the next level in business, you need to figure a way how you can organize that activity to achieve a goal. And then when you can achieve a goal, you realize that your business isn't just one goal, it's many goals. Series of goals. It's a series of goals. And so, well, you need a process that that directs or prioritizes those goals. So then your activity is subject to your goals, your goals is subject to your processes, and your process actually processes the first step of, of I cannot say automation with my stuttering problem, is the first step of automation. Um, and then the next level is system. And that's what we're talking about. Like you've literally got to get to the level of where you're organizing systems. And systems is multiple processes, right? right? So you have one process that organizes this series of goals. Then you have another process that organizes this series of goals. And then you find a way to develop a system that prioritizes those processes. And automates them. And automates them. So like you're literally stacking levels. You and I are at that level, but we did not start there. No. Um, we started at the activity level. Yeah, which involves the first leg of your what you're talking about, chaos control. Because when you start a business, what do you start with? Chaos. So let's go ahead and discuss that. So you need a system activity that is organized to a goal. Goals that are organized to a process, processes that are organized in a system. Before I before I move on to chaos control, do you want to add anything to that or or, or subtract from that? I'm Man, I think totally that's that. a good basis. I really think there's multiple ways you can look at this. Don't take this as gold. Um, this is just take it as gould. Take it as ghouls. Uh, and it's October. Ghoulish ghouls. Oh, oh, that's a dad joke, bro. Yeah, it's all right. I'm, I'm a dad. I got five kids, You bro. got five kids. Yeah, I'm a serial dad. Mm. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of different ways you can look at this. The way we're breaking it down is not absolute. Uh, it's just the way that we've broken it down to simplify and break down the understanding of this conversation. Yeah. Um, because it's right. So moving on. <laughs> uh, chaos control of the whirlwind. Then we can simply say the whirlwind is all the activity that is taking you away from your wildly important goal. There's going to be a tremendous amount of activity that is important, but it derails your, it derails your focus. So putting systems in in place to control that chaos, that has got to be one of your general components of, of automation, right? right? Okay, so executing, let's talk about that. I'm gonna give you a statement, Okay. respond to it. Okay. To properly execute, you have to identify the various components of the whirlwind. Number one, number two, 
you have to create standard operating procedures for systems to operate within. Correct. And then number three, you monitor through weekly, monthly, and annual meetings. Yes. So there's an element of communication, of verification. Accountability. Identify, create, monitor. Okay. So identifying, honestly, out of all those steps is the most difficult, um, in my opinion. I know it is for okay. me. Uh, most of the people that I talk to, that, that's their biggest struggle as well. Um, it's, it's identifying where all my problems are. Um, also identifying what those solutions potentially could be. Um, deciphering which ones actually fit the goals that you set for yourself and help you achieve those and which ones actually might be a solution but it leads you away from your goals. Okay. Because those things exist as well. You can have solutions that take you away from a goal. Yes. And we miss that a lot. And sometimes we get so deep into it, we've got we've to backtrack. Yes. And, uh, and we've all done it because we missed it. We didn't catch it. Um, we didn't recognize it. And then also, uh, even within your staff, recognizing who's the best fit for some of these positions that you need to fill that make things flow smoothly, make things that, that people that present solutions instead of cause problems. Okay that makes sense and, and yeah. identifying those traits because I've hired entry-level staff that look at the world and look at my business in such a way that they're actually really great innovators for certain things that I'm trying to change in my business and they just see it and I have to be able to see them and not look at them as somebody that's just needs to get in the program and get pushed through and five years they might be worth something maybe yeah. if they try that's a ridiculous thought. Jim Collins in his book uh, From Good to Great describes it as getting the right people in the right seats yes. on the uh, bus. And that is a part of identifying. Yeah. Um, you've got to be able to see those things. Um, and that's that's a really big deal. It's a difficult task. It takes constant practice in everything daily is just recognizing what's happening and why and and how we can manipulate it to achieve the outcome that's desired. So let's try to get real specific because that's the whole goal of this conversation. Okay. One, uh, uh, man, just some object lessons, right? So when, what I think of as far as like, to me, it's about organization, right? Okay. So if I put this on paper and I specifically address, this is the wildly important goal. Okay. And, and literally one or two things, no more than that. The whole reason why we've been able to focus on the relationship the way that we have in developing our own businesses is because everything centers around one or two central ideas. Right. And, 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 and so for me, if I could hold it up, I actually wanted to bring it, I forgot it at my house, but I have a playbook of operating procedures you have an operation have a manual operations manual and we it, have literally written this down on paper yeah we went through and said these are all the problems that we have and all the problems that could arise and we wrote a playbook that said if this happens you do this 
Because this happens, you do this. If this happens, you do this. Guess what? If I've got a book that tells them, I don't have to tell them. If I don't have to tell them, that means I can focus on something else in my business instead of holding people accountable. I'm, I still hold them accountable. Sure. Instead of personally holding their hand to get the task done. And 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 literally what you're doing when you're trying to control the chaos is you're realizing that you're going to war. If we can use that. Uh, yeah, I'm bleeding, so I mean, yeah, why yeah, not? We're already at war. <laughs> I'm at war with an orange peeler, <laughs> and you lost. And so the uh, you just executed one of my fingers, right? He's won more. the battle, not the war. When he gets all, of the, when he gets all of the actual digits, that's that's when he's won the war, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so when we're talking about creating operation manuals, when we're talking about creating playbooks, standard operating procedures, it really is no more than envisioning having the imagination to put this on paper and to think through all of all of uh, the contingencies and to act like you're a general going to war yeah i think about my whole process like when i wrote mine it's like okay what happens because we, we've got a customer process they come in we do xyz yep. and there's all these steps that the customer goes through and then they leave now Everybody knows there's the behind the scenes that happens as well. So I've got to have procedures that set us up to get the customer in the door. Mm -hmm. And then I've also got to have things that happen after the customer leaves. Yes. Where does the money go? Where does the paperwork go? What gets filed? Who's paying taxes? All these different things. And so I go, I thought through that entire process from concept to close out. Yes. And that doesn't mean where I started with a customer and ended with the customer. That's everything that led to me having a conversation with the customer all the way to me paying out the state and, and completing the entire transaction and finality and filing it in the filing cabinet. That's the end of the transaction is when the paper's in the filing cabinet, money's it. in the bank, and the taxes are paid. And so I wrote out every step of that process and highlighted who's responsible for that step. Who... Who's going to execute on this? This is what happens if it goes a different way. So within that operations manual, there's also flow paths for different scenarios because sometimes things don't go down the same way every time. Well, 98% of the time, it's going to go one of these three ways. So I go ahead and identify what those three different options are and how we're going to approach each one of those events within its own right so we're highly effective in each of those situations independently. Mm -hmm. And they literally have a book to go off of. I don't know what to do. Let me open the book. Exactly. Now I know what to do. Let me go do that. And it takes seconds. And they didn't have to ask anybody. They didn't take any time out of my day. And the operations manual almost is as effective as a manager. Yes. Actually, you have automated a manager. Sure. Is exactly what you've done. The book is the manager. Yep. And then all I have to do is take a little bit of time out of my week and go around and hold people accountable for the operations manual. Are you acting in this way? Yeah. And then I also have systems in place that uh, give me checkpoints. So I don't know about you, yeah. um, but I'll take my playbook and to me it's a living document. So it's constantly evolving. It's constantly evolving. Mine is too. Every time something comes up that the playbook didn't account for, guess what? It gets put in the playbook. Yep, yep. And then it needs to be reviewed every six months to a year. Go over all of your processes. Say, okay, this actually doesn't really necessarily work. We need to tweak this here. We need we need to move this around here. 
Yep. What I'm also getting from from how you're answering this, which which is so important to sparse out, is how we're the same in our thinking, but then we also we're different. So okay. you definitely conceptualize things on a linear path. Uh, yes, my my concept of of this level of automation is linear. For me, it's on a timeline because I anticipate my growth. I anticipate all the shifts in my business months and years in advance and have my goals stacked out to that. And I also realize that my processes, systems, and procedures have to evolve and adapt because things that make sense for a 3,000 personnel company don't make sense for a three personnel company. But the inverse is also true as you're growing from a three three person company to a 3,000 person company, there's specific yeah. checkpoints that I have baked in where I know we're gonna change from this policy to this policy because I have to, to be effective with this much personnel and still be able to serve my personnel well and provide a high level of quality to my clients. I love it, yeah, and so that just speaks to the fact that you don't have to automate one way. You automate that way. Right. And I totally see how it builds. And it's accumulative. Right. Mine is more con- concentric. Uh, I think of things more in circles. Right. And it's. So yours is cyclic. Yeah. Yeah. Cyclic. Secular. Secular. Whatever. It's circles. Circular. <laughs> circular. 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 Yeah. Cyclical. Cyclical. Gosh, you yeah. freaking financial advisor. You should uh, know this. All right, man. Well, before we get too deep into arguing over uh, circles, grammar and circles, uh, I'm going to go ahead and season up these steaks and get these bad boys going. But let's do it. Please continue on, sir. Well, actually, I don't want to take away from this. This is exciting. This okay. is probably one of the one one of the the biggest meals that we've cooked on the grill so far. Absolutely. Oh, knocked everything over. It is big because everything barely fits on my on my <laughs> bar. And then, uh, yeah, I can always go back to circles. Okay, we can always go back to circles. <laughs> I can doodle some more circles. Right. All right. Who wants to see one of these bad boys? These things are so impressive. Like. Between A-G-B? these and dino ribs, like nice. there's not any more impressive cuts of meat. Like there's better cuts of meat for sure. Like yeah. as far as taste, quality, uh, tenderness, but yeah, go man, this is just impressive. And in case everyone's wondering why there's so many flies, it actually rained for the for our first time and our probably last time for the whole year. Yeah. <laughs> And so that's why there's all these flies. Look at steak, dude. There you go. Heck yeah. Bone in. So everything's skewered today. Yeah, you got a handle on everything that we're eating. That's awesome. It's like the closest to eating a dinosaur. It's pretty close to eating a dinosaur. I mean, this is definitely a Fred Flintstone meal right here. I love it. No silverware needed, man. Just pick it up and chow down. I mean, those are just monstrous steaks. Yes, they are. That's awesome. I saw them. I had to get them today. I was like, man, we've got to end with a bang. We're going big. Love it. Let's do this thing. Look how big these are. They're just freaking hams on a stick, man. So you're going to season these suckers on the flat side and the rim. And the rim is almost as wide as the uh, is almost as wide as the flat yep. side. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with the barrel-aged bourbon. Um, 
And we're going to go... Because, you know, it's bourbon here. Yep. So we're going to end the last and episode off really with bourbon. And this is a sweet rub. This is not normally where you would go with a steak, but I've got a lot of options here. We're going to add some extra spice to it and everything else. Love it. And you can actually smell that rub from here. Oh, yeah. And we're going to lay this on really thick because as we front sear this thing, it's going to burn a lot of that off. So definitely. It's got almost like a cinnamon to it. Yeah, it's got some brown sugar. Brown maple. sugar. Yeah, yeah, I smell that. And uh, some of that going on. And then we're going to go ahead and do the good old salt and pepper. And once again, just go heavy with this. A lot of it's going to burn off. So. Right. Do not be scared to totally smother. That's a lot of meat. You got to think about the surface area on the inside of the steak compared to what you're actually seasoning on the outside. And really, it's not that much, even if you totally take this stuff on. Now, for a steak that thick, I would almost think taking a knife and making some cuts in the middle to let the seasoning go in there would be advantageous. What some do people do that. I've never really done that. Um, okay. I've seen it go both ways. In my opinion, I think it dries out the outer part uh, of the steak too much. Yeah. It kills the moisture because it gives it more room to escape. Yeah. And so I personally don't do it. I know why they do it, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan personally. Got it. And what's that salt again? Himalayan pink salt. Himalayan pink salt. That's my favorite. Cool. And we're going to pat all that on there, pack it up. And these, these steaks are dry. They're not wet. I always completely dry season them. Love it. And then we're going to flip those over and do the same thing on the other side. And then we'll go ahead and season the rim after that. Man, these are freaking monsters. It's just crazy. Hope you're hungry, Luke. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I told Luke whenever he showed up, I was like, man, Adam picked the wrong night to miss, man. <laughs> that's our uh, that's our other film guy, other in film case guy. Uh, you guys are wondering. He went to go watch an Elton John concert. Well, he's not eating a tomahawk steak. He's not eating a tomahawk steak, though. <laughs> They're having one of these newfangled kiwi drinks. Yeah. It's so good. It's what happens when you go watch Rocket Man. Yeah. Rocket Man. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, just so we can say we were thinking of Adam tonight. As this uh, podcast episode ends, we should definitely play an Elton John song. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking you two acapella duet. Nah, yeah, that's not happening. Hold <laughs> me closer, tiny dancer. Oh, yeah, man. Chris, I'm take it away, good. dude. Take no. it away. No, I'm good, man. You, you got guts. You just sang in front of, you just shower sang in front of a million plus people. Yeah, it doesn't sound as good because I don't have the shower walls. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, then we're going to take this three chili cilantro. We're going to throw it on the edges. Don't go so crazy with this stuff. It really packs a punch, so um, we're just going to dust it. There it is. And Chris, I can absolutely assure you that you don't sound good. That just so that you good. Know. Oh yeah, I'm not. That is not my thing, man. Just in case you were wondering. Oh, I'm not wondering. Like you don't see me up there on uh, on America's Got Talent or America's Got Talent other, or the Voice. The, yeah, no, I do not have the voice. No future Blake Shelton here. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> but you make good drinks. Heck, Heck yeah, yeah, man. You know, if you actually can just 
Can I steal some of that bourbon? I actually just want to pour it straight. Right? Yeah, dude, let's right do right that, there. and then I'll make us one more after we try it out, just straight I up. I really want to just... Luke, do you want to give me your glass? Do you want to try it straight? Sure. I'm just interested... I I'm interested to get a base. Oh, so you know what this tastes like. I've had it before. But okay. I, I am so curious to know what this bourbon tastes like straight. And I guarantee you it's going to be nothing like that drink. No. Just a couple thumbs. Yeah. Boom. There you go, sir. Thank you. Oh yeah, wow, man. Yeah, it's kind of wild, isn't it? You said it was 94? 94. And you don't taste it. That is smooth. Doesn't taste anything like that cocktail drink either. That is really good though. Yeah. I, I agree, that's- It's a great bourbon. It's a good sipping whiskey. And you barely get a hint of that bourbon taste when you mix that drink. Yeah. All right. Man, these are these seasoned up tomahawk steaks. We're gonna go ahead and throw these guys on to sear. I am ready. Boom. All right. I'm gonna do these one at a time just because they're so big. I wanna make sure that we get a good sear and we'll move them up to that top rack as they go. Part of the reason why I had you pour this bourbon for me was it was like a magic trick, dude. It didn't taste like you put any bourbon in it, but I watched you put bourbon in it. I was kind of like in disbelief. And a healthy amount. I was kind of, yeah, like I saw that. I was like in disbelief. I was like, how am I not tasting mm. the bourbon? Right. There wasn't even the burn of the bourbon hitting the back of your throat. No, not at all. Like, I don't know how you did like that. It's like drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah, that was, dude. Is it the agave you think that kind of gives it that characteristic? I have no idea, but I did you promise you a well-balanced drink, and you got one. You stumbled upon it, bro. Oh man, that smells so good. It smells unbelievable. So, uh, do I have enough time to delve into this point, yeah, or do you want to wait? I'm so going to flip these one at a time. It's going to take yeah, about feel, 15 minutes to go through to this flip. cycle, but we're going to do this with the top open. Um, so definitely not cyclical. Because cyclical is like cyclical stocks or companies that yeah. are in season today, and out, out of season. Concentric is okay. the right term. There the you go. And the fact that I conceptualize odd, uh, my systems of automation being in a circle and the relationship focus being the nucleus. Right. And, and, and so I would take my system and say, my system comprises of a driving process, a supporting process. Um, what else? Driving process. <laughs> That's funny. I just pulled a complete mind blank. Supporting process. Anyway, I've got six processes uh, that are. <laughs> the drink's already hitting me. That's that. That. Well, you're circles. trying to count six processes on five fingers, so <laughs> you were one short anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. So anyway, <laughs> six processes around that. And then as you go through this and it scales, then the circle just gets bigger. Right. So, but anyway, all of that to say this, it's just, it's amazing how you can have different ways of conceptualizing this. Agreed. Okay. So when it comes to the whirlwind, 
one one aspect that can just derail you is the financial aspect of it yep. for sure and you have a great uh, you have a great system or a great process in your financial system um, and 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 it's a perfect object lesson do you mind actually breaking into it because I think it yeah. drives this first point for home sure let me flip this bad boy over man that's a nice sear on that one look at that char it's gonna taste amazing. Yeah, oh yeah, it's gonna be fantastic. So anyway, like I said, that's why I don't do the hash cross hatches on there. Got so, it. So anyway, what you were talking about is financial systems, and so like I mix my personal and business a little bit. I mean, they're not they're they're physically separated, but my systems co-join. So that way, my mm -hmm. financial system as an individual, as a business owner and an individual, kind of seamlessly integrate. So that way, I don't have to put so much thought into what money comes from where, goes from where, all these things. And so even just how I structure my wallet, um, all my credit cards, debit cards, I actually have them layered in my wallet in such a fashion that I know for general purchases, I take the one on top. For business purchases, I take the one, the next one down. The third one down is the one that I interchange with the one on top every 14 days. So that way I balance two different accounts. Now explain to people why you do this in the first place because you got to give them some context. Okay, man. So <laughs> I pay so for- So those are saying is a fat wad of cards. Fat wad of cards. So I pay for everything with credit cards. No, I do not take on debt. Um, I use my credit cards to perform transactions for the purpose of receiving the bonus points, bonus cash, rewards, miles, whatever, also reducing my personal liability, which means I'm never taking money out of my bank account and giving that in a transaction. I'm using somebody else's money, Discover, American Express, MasterCard, whatever, in that transaction, so they're liable for any fraudulent charges or anything else that happens there, and then I take my money out of my bank account and give to those reputable organizations once a month and pay my cards off in total. And I also have my card stacked based off of limits to ensure that my threshold for spending for each category isn't exceeded. Um, and so those are just personal systems I put in place, but something as simple as a wallet and the way that my cards are organized to my wallet to ensure that all my bills are paid, that I'm minimizing my personal risk in transactions because I do a lot of transactions personally and business and uh, to keep everything organized so that way I know everything's always taken care of. And it, it kind of just takes care of itself. There we go. Now that's, we some, a, that's what you were waiting for? That's what I was waiting for. We got some flame going on. Um, but does that kind of yeah. help explain? Do you have any questions? Or well, I mean, like the point is, and, and by no means on this podcast are we endorsing that this is what you should do. No, that's just what I do, and it's just an example of a system that I put into place yes. to manage my finances. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like someone like me, if I was to go that route, what I would probably do, because I know why you're doing it, it's, uh, it's a cash flow play. Yeah, it's a cash flow play, as well as depending on the volume you run on your cards and what cards you're using, I mean, it's potentially a revenue generator. So one way that I would further add, uh, and again, this is just me, but, but if I was so inclined to do something like that, what I would do is take one of my auto monthly pays and put it on each one of those cards. Right. So that they stay active. Right. And then I would set up an auto pay for my bank account to pay off that card. Right. And I'm achieving what I need to achieve 
in this whole crazy when 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 you hold out that stack what you're basically showing me and what i mean like show the camera that stack again like give them a close-up yeah talk about a whirlwind <laughs> could that I mean, could that distract you from your wildly important goal one two three four five six seven eight nine ten and like we're gonna call IDs. that almost 20 it's not quite 20 but almost dude that's a lot of different accounts to manage that's a lot of different things that balance out and uh yeah i've, I've got most of it on it, it takes care of itself i operate within the system that i designed and so that's one example of one aspect of your business, which is the, which is the financial component of it. Sure. Just the actual money movement, right? Aspect of and it, then, and what and what you're trying to accomplish in the money movement aspect of it. If you didn't have a system in place, and you had all of those cards, it'd be chaos. It would be chaos. So you have a process in place to control the chaos control that does not chaos. detract you from your wildly important goal nope. of maximizing relationship focus. Correct. It has it's very little impact. It just happens naturally. It's part of my daily routine and I don't really even think about it. And then on the back side of that, I've got more processes in place that someone else is checking my statements, giving me reports on balances and uh, basically analyzing my financials on a daily and weekly basis, going back to those meetings you talked about, to ensure that everything is as I expect it to be. Yeah. And that's probably a good transition point, because man, to be honest, we could spend the entire podcast talking about just this, right. and we have to move on. But the, the, there's a reason why this is the first component that we talked about. This is probably the most important one. Right. And there's entire books out there, like the four disciplines of execution, that's a good one to read, that are completely devoted to this. So I would highly recommend, get that on Audible, read it, listen to it, whatever, but 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 get good on developing systems of automation that control the chaos of your day-to-day -day whirlwind so that every day you can focus on the wildly important goal of maximizing relationship impact. Can, can I just give you an extreme example just, yeah, to, sure. just to split this out and, and add to the context of this piece before we move past it? Um, there's one guy I listened to. I can't... Um, Dude, you ripped your finger up good. Oh, yeah, man. It's, <laughs> it's gnarly, but it's not bad. Dang. I'm used to it. You did it on a peeler. Uh, yeah, I tell my kids, <laughs> I was like, I bleed almost daily, and it lets me know I'm still alive. There it is. Sorry, man. Go ahead. Um, but... Um, Man, I cannot think of this guy's name. He's really intelligent. I really like listening to him. I, th I think his last name's Mosey. Um, anyway, big into sales, online sales, things like that. Okay. Um, but he talks a lot about different things that he does to automate just his personal life so he can spend more time focusing on business. Now, this is super extreme. Yes. But he eats the same meals every single yes. day because it's a level of automation, which means he doesn't have to make those decisions, yeah. which frees up decision-making time to focus on what's wildly, his wildly important, important goals. And so he'll automate his bedtimes. He'll automate his schedule for working out. His what I'm he, a fan. What he physically eats. And so that's yeah. super extreme, but I think it really illustrates what we're talking about here is that- I don't think that's extreme. I think it's extreme to eat the same thing all day, every day. I don't that's, think it's extreme at all. Man, Matter of fact, to me, that sounds like a dream come true. <laughs> all right, so you're telling me that if we had the exact same meal on every single podcast, you'd been okay with that? Yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. See, because I didn't have to make the decision on what we're eating on the podcast. I automated that. That's you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I vibe on that, man. That is true. Yeah, but you got me but on that But I totally one. see the point, because how much 
time in the day do you spend making decisions I, on things? I promise just on food you'll spend over an hour a day making decisions. That's incredible. That's just 60 minutes that you can you focus about, on your what business. What am I going to have for breakfast? What am I going to have for yeah. lunch? What am I going to have for dinner? And this is where you really got to consider whether you really want a wife or not because she's going to make this process more complicated <laughs> for you. <laughs> What do you want for dinner, honey? I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's transition to another point before we get in the weeds on nah, something that could potentially get us in trouble. It was just for fun. <laughs> just for fun, but kind of serious. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kidding, kinda. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> All right, the next principle that we talked about is quality control yep. for time, price, and value. And man, I really think it's story time because the best way that we can really drive this home is just talking from personal experience. So ready on execution, this is what I have for you. Let me read it, then I want you to respond. Day one. All right. Identify key promises communicated in your offering to your customer slash client and what systems need to be put in place to ensure that those promises are met. I think it's a tie between chaos control and this for number one. Right. Because if you don't do either of those, you don't have a business that's got a high uh, level of anything. That's got a jetpack on right. it. For right. For sure. Rocket man. Yeah. You're not yeah. making it to the moon. Yeah. Okay. So talk about this one. Okay. Um, as far as that goes, like, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I, I, I like the idea of breaking it down into three categories as far as quality control. So um, quality is is deciphered really by your client, not by you. You can have your perception of quality, but once again, it comes back to how did I present my offering and how am I delivering on that offering? Because your client's basically gonna tell you by their satisfaction level how well you delivered on what on the expectation that you created. Mm -hmm. And if you don't create an expectation, then that is even worse because that means they, your clients get to create their own expectation. And each one of them is going to be different. It's going to be outside your control. There's no basis for it. Yep. And so you have to make a promise. You have to make an offer. You have to say, this is what we're going to do for sure. I promise. Like, because if you don't, they're going to make things up for you that they don't communicate well back to you. Mm -hmm. And then you're left to mind reading. And that sucks for everybody because your client's disappointed. That's a good and, point, man. And you're underserving them by default. Yeah. Because you don't know where the bar's at. So what I do in my company is I create my own expectations that I present to my customers in my offering that this is what we're going to do. This is how this is going to work. This is the timeline. And it's broken down into how much is it going to cost? If I give you a price, then that price is good. It should be. That's the expectation. Right. If you come in and the price is different in a negative way as far as a No one goes into an automotive no one goes into an automotive shop and expects the price that is actually given to them is going to be the price when it's all said and they done. They like it to be Let's be honest. They want it to be, but that's not the norm. Why? Uh, there are a lot of variables, but it has a lot to do with poor systems. They don't want to take, they don't have systems in place to stop when it does actually need to cost more for a genuine reason and spend the time to communicate that. 
that's a checkpoint in a system. That's something I have in place that says this is the price until it's not. But when that changes, we're going to talk about it before we move forward without. So do we have time? Um, do we have time for you to tell me a story? Because tell me a story. Give me a specific example of how you've done that. Specific. Or uh, do we need to move on to uh, another part of our of our meal today? Um, I am almost ready to throw those on the top rack. That one needs just a little bit longer. And then we, we move that to the top rack. What's next, my man? Uh, after we throw that to the top rack, we're going to let those cook. Once the internal temperature gets up to about 100 or so, I'll go ahead and throw the veggies on. Perfect. All right. And uh, But an example of uh, quality control. So let me just give you a quick breakdown on just how that works so basically we start by creating it within the context of an example because i want you to tell me a story okay. tell me a story chris tell me a story what's All an right. example in a way that you've done this an example in the way that i've done this so i had a customer come in okay story um, time all right so and they were having a weird problem with their car it was making some shaking vibrations and it was making some noise and so they brought it in. We did our free check like we usually do, and we found a problem with the tires. Okay. Now, the tires were not the whole source of the problem, but we had to get the tires fixed in order to move on to the next stage of the problem. So guess what? It's checkpoint time. System in place. We get on the phone. Hey, we found a problem. It's the big part of your problem, but it doesn't fix everything, but I need to fix this first. Okay. And then once we get this fixed, then we can dive in and we can start addressing these other issues. So we go, we get new tires put on, bring it back, find these other issues. So go ahead and get approval, fix the other issues. And after the issues are fixed, my technician test drives it, brings it back. He says it's good. Now I actually have a whole person in place for quality control to go and look at... Oh yeah go and look at their vehicle, um, test drive it again, and they had found that something was still making noise. Bring it back in. The um, Okay, so you had one guy do work. One guy do work, and another guy second checking his work to make sure that the customer got everything that they paid for. Okay. And, and this guy is unrelated to the project. He uh, basically just gets a clipboard. He get, yep, he looks on his tablet, he sees the work that was done, he double checks the work, and then he takes it out for a spin. He comes back from the spin, from a test drive and he's like, hey man, there's something clunking underneath here. And we get back into it and the technician looks back at it again and realized that he didn't get all the bolts tied on one of the struts. So he goes back, he tightens all that stuff up. He goes and does his test drive again, goes back through the process, quality control guy goes on a second test drive. So we've got four test drives before that thing left my shop, but without that guy in place, we would have never found that Guess what? The customer would have came, picked up their vehicle with a sizable bill because we did quite a bit of work, and they're going to go and drive it and hear that noise a block down the road, and they're going to come back furious because yeah. they spent a ton of money and I didn't fix their problem. So before you had this process in place, do you mind me telling my own story? Absolutely. All right, dude. So before you bought, before you bought Danny's. Mm -hmm. um, I remember taking my SUV to Danny's. Yeah. And uh, I remember we took it in for this reason, got the phone call, said, hey, this is what's wrong. This is what it's going to cost to fix it. We're like, yep. gosh, freaking dang it. That's expensive. Okay. 
Yep. Because <laughs> cars are expensive. Yep. Especially post-2020, they're really expensive. <laughs> yep. Well, this was actually, I think, before 2020. Um, because, again, this is before you bought the business. And then... Um, so this was the previous owner. And the... Um, I remember coming into the shop, or no, no, we, yeah, so we pick up the SUV, we drive it home, and as we're driving it home, everything you could think that is scary about a car breaking down happened. Like it was depowering, powering up. All the lights on the dashboard were flashing. I was like, what the heck? So we called, we brought it in, I'm not gonna lie, Martha was furious. I'm like, you know what, just hang on, just let's take it back, see what's going on. You know, a, bit, a benefit of the doubt because mistakes happen. Was it an inconvenience? Heck yeah, it was an inconvenience. Uh, um, and we took it in and I remember getting a phone call and the phone call wasn't even you that called me, uh, it was someone else, which I think was the previous owner. And um, the call went something like this, hey man, uh, we forgot to attach one of the actual grounding wires. My bad. Sorry. Right. And I mean, I'm not narking on him. What else could he have said to me? Yeah, I but mean, that still doesn't the change truth. the fact that I'm like, that's kind of nonchalant. Right. I'm pissed. You know? What do you mean you didn't put a grounding wire on there? And how easily? Yeah, man. And how easily that could? Can you put some of that agave stuff in there? Hell yeah! You want me to just mix up another yeah, cocktail? Yeah, just make up another one. Cool. Um, we got time. Yeah. <laughs> you want one too? I'm good, man. Thank okay. you. Okay. And, uh, you know, that's the difference before you put quality control systems in place to after you put quality control systems in place. Because you know what's the beautiful thing about your process now? You have automated it to where you don't have that experience anymore. No. And if I do, then I've absolutely done everything I could to prevent it. Yes. Within reason. Because every car is going to get test driven 40 miles after the work's done by two separate individuals that have no relationship to each other as far as the interest of the job um, to ensure that my clients have the best possible experience. And it happens automatically. Everybody knows this is how it works. Yeah, man. And it's just how it goes. So I'm going to watch you to make sure you don't Houdini this now. Well, you already put the bourbon in. I saw you. I saw you put the bourbon in. Yeah, yeah. There's no cheats on the bourbon on this one. We put the bourbon in first this time. So both bitters. Yep, three and three, three shakes of each bitter. And the agave. Yep, and then the sparkling water. And you water. already got the fruit in there. And yep. And then smoke it. That's so interesting. I wonder if the pear smoke kind of acts as like a bonding agent to bring all those tastes together. I believe so, because I tried it without the smoke first, and then whenever I did it with the smoke, it's noticeably different. Really? Like, for sure. Interesting. Yeah, it, it really helps balance it quite a bit. The things you discover when you listen to this podcast. Yes, that pear smoke balances your beverage. <laughs> pear smoke balances and gives it a wonderful taste. It's perfectly paired for your And steak. I mean, that, that just looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like, that's amazing. Makes me happy just looking at that. My drink getting smoked over an open flame. Heck yeah, man. There you are, sir. Thank you, sir. 
Let's see if you can achieve the same result. Ready? Cheers. It has been achieved. It's been achieved. <laughs> oh, I can really smell the smoke on that one. Same result, man. Holy cow! Yeah! It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, unbe it's unbelievable! Do you believe in miracles? Wow. Yep, no magic on this one, man. It's crazy. That's awesome. It's unbelievable. That's awesome. Wow. What a drink. Uh, I think that hit that second point perfectly. Do you want to stay on the second one or you want to move I, to the third one? Um, I just want to dive in on one section and break that uh, the three subcategories down just real quick. Go so right ahead, dude. Those. You don't so, have to do anything real quick. We've uh, got time. you still got your tomahawk steaks on the grill. You yeah, have you put the veggies on the grill. Yeah, five degrees internal temperature, so they're going to be there for a minute. Um, the three subcategories were what are we looking at in quality as far as delivering on our expectation? That's going to be time, it's going to be money, and it's going to be value. Did I get I all? I think that's what I, a time, price, and value, man. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um, those, that's really what your client's concerned about. That's what you need to be concerned about because the quality is to benefit you from having to redo work or, or uh, over deliver on a failed expectation, which costs money. Um, it's an efficiency, but it just ensures that you have the same thing every time. I'll tell you what, if you went to McDonald's and your burger tasted different every time you went, would you continue to go? That's such a good point. Um, and, and so it's that consistency. And so that's, yes. and so you want it to cost what you promised it would cost and you want the value to be there. Basically, if I expect this, I'm gonna get this, and I know I'm gonna get it. And and people take that for granted. Just like this drink, sir. Just like this drink. Consistency. It's, there's a level of consistency there. <laughs> Here's the consistency. Here's the consistency. Uh, and so, and then just the time, because time is so valuable that I think it's probably one of the most under, underrated value propositions out there. Um, because everybody's so busy now, and they yeah. they don't even think about time as a con as as a factor, and and there's so many people in the world that that time is equated to money and all these other things, and it is in in some direct and indirect ways, but we need to value our clients' time and yeah. also deliver yeah. on that expectation. If I if you're expecting to be out of a car for a week. As long as I get it done within the week, then you're satisfied because you've already made accommodations. But we stretch it one day past that. Guess what? That's that's calling mom and see if she can live with another day without her car. Right. Well, how's that affecting her? Now, your client's problem is starting to affect other people by your failure to deliver on the time that you said you would. Mm -hmm. And and your impact, negative impact, grows rapidly. Um, it snowballs and it creates a huge problem for you and your image and your brand. And so I really think that when I think of building systems for quality control, it is the, the one thing I could say to wrap it all up would say it's about having a consistent brand from A to Z. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's perfect. Yeah, I can't think of a better way to end that point, actually. Um, promotes individual accountability. Ready? So execution, this is what I got. Okay. Create methods of verbal and nonverbal communication that maintains focus. Okay. Um, oh, what do you think? This one I'm gonna just tell you what I do. 
Um, I have one specific system in cool. my shop that does most of that for me. Um, I've got other systems and support systems in place for that system, but it is the key system that handles that. Um, so instead of having a standard general manager that just makes sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing, I actually have a workflow board. Okay. And it's a completely interactive workflow board. And everybody's got their spots on the board for each step of the process. Mm -hmm. And what happens is a car goes on a card. With <laughs> That's cool. Kind of corny, but cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how, it's yeah, just the reality. Yeah. And so that card's magnetic. My workflow board's magnetic. And um, think of going around a, a board game. You just go in sequence. Well, guess what? I've created this system in my shop that every sequence is another place on the board. And as you finish up at this place, then you move it to the next spot. That next spot is probably another person. The other person, when they finish with the one that's ahead of them in that spot, goes back to the board. They see what the next one is. They perform their task. Whatever their task is, is documented in the tablet, which actually matches my workflow board. So that way, the next person that sees has seen everything everybody's done at every step in the process up until that point. So they find something out of sync then they can go back and ask the person that was supposed to accomplish that what happened. But what happens with this is there's very minimal communication. They don't have to go and have a 10 minute conversation about that next step because if you think about even five employees that each have a step in the process, just for example, um, that have to have a 10 minute conversation about each step, that means that a single process, a single workflow loses over an hour across five people to accomplish the same thing that my board does in seconds. It's a great example of nonverbal communication. And everything's documented the whole way through. And so everybody knows what's going on and if that's ever lost, then guess what? It's documented for me to review to see if they're following my processes for documentation. So that way I do have the ability to review and ensure that we're operating at the standard that I've set. Um, so I can go back and look at anything a month ago and see if it worked the way it was supposed to work because of my documentation process. Um, but the workflow is my manager. My workflow yeah. board is my manager. I don't need a manager. And so the way that ties into individual accountability is my senior leadership, which we'll call them managers, but they don't operate in the same management facility that a lot of managers do within an organization. Um, they're accountable to the system. Well, when I go to my manager, he says, what am I supposed to do? You are to preserve the integrity of the systems I have put into place. Yeah. Ensure they are getting done in the manner that I have described in the operations manual. That's what you're responsible for. Well, what if they don't comply? There's a procedure for that. Go look at the procedure. I you're going to write them up in accordance with this. You're going to document that, how they violated this, and the agreement that they signed. Everything's tied together. There's no wiggle room. Everything takes care of itself. What I like about the magnetic workflow board too is that, again, going back to the war analogy of it, you have a team. That team goes to battle every day. Yep. And it gives them a visual representation of what winning looks like. Yes. And that's exciting. Yeah, they get to see themselves cross the finish line at the end of the board. It's passing go, it's collecting $200. I wonder how many odd, odd emotive shops. Again, it's the A's. I have a hard time with my stuttering problem, apparently. Apparently. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so, like, when you're in most, like, most mechanics and shops, like, like, I can't imagine they're just like, 
they're isolated, they're at their own station, they don't really know if what they're doing actually matters for that day. Like, like, like they don't have a context of what they're doing, how it fits into the big picture. And what that workflow board does all of a sudden is that you give a big picture representation of how the team is doing. Yeah, well, the And everyone can look at it and be like, okay, those in, again, this is complete war, right? So like those on the front lines, they've broken through the defenses. They're at the next stage, right? So then like, okay, now the artillery can bomb. We're at that well, stage. And like it's I said, exciting. a visual representation, guess what? I can see where the bottlenecks are because where are all my cards collected in the middle of the board? What uh, step are they stuck that's on? That's good, yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it gives me a visual representation. I don't need to know the details. If I go back and I look at my board every day for a week and I consistently see that there's a stack of cards in this area, then I need to go back and address my systems for that specific area or that step. Heck and yeah. And figure out how to break loose that bottleneck there. And so I get to see it. I don't have to look at the details. I don't need to know the stories. I can see that I've got 10 cards where there should be two, and that's happened every day for a week or two. That's awesome. There's something broken in my system that I need to fix, and it's right here. That's great accountability. Yes. Absolutely, man. Wow, dude, that's good. That's a great example. Um, I don't have teams of people. So in my industry and in my business, how I'm operating, according to the primary operating principle, I can speak more toward accountability of the team dynamic mm -hmm. from advisor to client. Right. And that's probably where, where mine is. And that is the annual review process. Well, it, yours is unique. Um, I, I think that people underappreciate the accountability of the client to the business. And there's a there's a level there. Because, well, my whole business. Right. My but whole value as a financial advisor is how well I can build a system of accountability that changes behavior and leads right. to success. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is not gonna work. Most okay. people that come to me realize that, hey, I need some form of guidance. People that come to me and like, I don't need your guidance in my life. I just need you to invest these assets and make me money. They don't end up becoming clients. Because that doesn't fit what how you want to conduct business. Well, and and well, it, what happens? And is also, it they're denying reality. Well, it creates an exception to your processes. Sure, because sure. Because if I happen. if I do business this way with every one of my clients, and you don't want that, then that means I have to deviate from my processes and systems. Yes. Which means that if I make an exception for you, where else am I making exceptions? And you're inviting chaos. Well, back yeah. into your circle. Yeah, 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 that's a great point. And um, also, if I can't add maximum impact to your life, <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> like, you sure. don't need me. Awesome, man. Right? So we're at 95 on these steaks internal. I'm gonna go ahead and throw these veggies on so they can get going, because that steak's warming up pretty quick. So Heck yeah. Um, I just don't want to end up with the steaks done and the veggies not. So we're gonna go yeah, ahead man, and throw, throw it on. on, man. The truth of the matter, though, is what person doesn't need a financial advisor? Everybody needs a financial Everyone advisor. Everyone needs a financial advisor. Successful people need financial advisors. I'll tell if you, you don't need a financial advisor, I guess you don't need to grow. Yeah. Uh, turns and, uh, out that, Elon Musk probably has multiple financial advisors. It's not Warren to mean Buffett that, has financial yeah, advisors. It's like, not like you go to a financial advisor to tell you what to do. You go to a financial advisor to because... To discover what your options are. Well, you know how the book of Proverbs says it. In a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Yes. 
the greatest danger that you can assume is the danger you don't know. That is a lot. That one's big. That's, I mean, that's why I'm your financial advisor. Yeah, you so, keep me out of the, the dark places that I didn't know I wasn't supposed to go into. Now, that's not to say that I'm smarter or uh, I'm more wise. It just means my job is to put all the pieces together. You're the best in your lane. And I stay in that lane. And yep. I can't be the best in that lane because if I was, then I'd be a financial advisor. Advisor and not what you do. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then the best value I have as far as so then I know if I'm going to drive the relationship forward, I have to automate a process of accountability between me and my client, and that is the annual review process. Sure. My entire business is built around the annual review process. Uh, when we first started, and I know we were talking about this uh, with uh, drinks and dinner over at my place last night, um, the onset of our relationship we only interacted through the annual review process. That was it? Or when I needed to take my vehicles to the shop, which was many. <laughs> so basically our relationship started purely in business. It was transactional for years. Well, not transactional, it was relational. Well, But it was relational through the through. annual review process. Right. Exclusively. Um, and that's where most clients start. And that's a good place to start. Because if you think about what that means, that means that you have to actually intentionally come into my office. We have to take out your financial plan. You need to update me on all of these different areas. I have things that I need to update you on. And then we need to create action items that move the ball forward. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's a deep relationship. Absolutely. And that's a lot of impact for 45 minutes to 90 minutes of a conversation. Yes. For sure. Um, and And, if I didn't have that process, if I didn't, there's, so I just said that like it was nothing. But what I didn't tell you was the five to six hours worth of work per client that goes into making that possible. And if I didn't have process to automate that, it would be like close to 60 hours per client. And that's nuts. Yeah. Talk about that time. Yep. Right. Um, there needs to be a quality control well, aspect of it. Disadvantages for, sure. for you and your client. Mm -hmm. If you had, to, if your client had to invest sixty hours to listening to you, they wouldn't be your client for very long. And it also, so and what if if you yeah. had to invest sixty hours into your client? Oh, that's you'd that's be a good very point. limited on the amount of clients, clients you can, you can have, have. Yeah, and it would affect significantly your revenue generation of your business, which is important because without enough of it, you don't have a business. It would also limit the scope of who I have exposure to. Absolutely, because if I if it's sixty hours per client, man, you you better be a multimillionaire, right? You gold digger. Right. Well, it's just the truth just of it. No, it's just the truth fine. of it. But <laughs> if true. we can automate, then all of a sudden I can have clients from various financial backgrounds. Yes. I can have clients that are just going through the Dave Ramsey steps and I can walk through them on helping them develop financial How literacy. Was that client? I was I came to you broke and in pain. At the very beginning, man. Yep. And now you and I both have multi million dollar businesses in a short period of time. Yeah, that was Six years ago, I was doing Financial Peace University with you at that church over on Cherrywood. And I wouldn't be able to do that if it wasn't for the amount of automating everything I possibly could as far as the accountability process so that I could just have that conversation as deeply as possible 
and as impactful as possible in the short amount of time that I had for each client. Right. And even then, I have capacity. There's only so many clients that I that I uh, can have, right? And that is in totally dependent on how well that I can automate. Yes, I agree. So yeah, the clients going from the very beginning to clients that are in their 60s and 70s and have multi-million dollars worth of wealth. Yeah. Um, I can. Man, those steaks are looking good. That's yeah, looking good. I, I, I can serve that entire scope because of the ability to automate in this area of promoting individual accountability from the client to the financial advisor level. Right. Um, I remember a lot of client. I remember a lot of financial advisors giving me grief, hard grief, for doing this. Yes. And they didn't get it. They weren't like. They were like, "How in the world can you possibly charge clients what you charge?" Like it's like just way too much. Right. And I'm like, "Well, you don't get it. I'm in a completely different business than what you are. You're managing portfolios. I'm managing relationships. That's not the same business." Yeah, I think I remember a year or two in uh, to you really kind of picking up and turning this thing into a successful career. Uh, I said, you're not a financial advisor. You're a lifestyle facil... What do yeah, I call it? Lifestyle development specialist. Yeah, lifestyle <laughs> development specialist because that's the level of service that you provided. It, you didn't advise me on my finances. You advised me on the lifestyle that's a huge that compliment, I wanted dude. for my future. Thanks, man. That's a huge compliment, bro. Um, and look where we are six years later. I'd say that you're a successful lifestyle, lifestyle development, development specialist. specialist. Uh, dude, I dude, I own that. That's so much cooler than financial advisor. Financial advisor is lame. Um, so funny story. The firm that I'm at now. Uh, so I left my prior firm to go to this one. This one is an independent channel. They, they, they allow me to establish my own independent business. There's a broker dealer above me for regulatory compliance purposes. Right. Because you can't be truly independent in my firm or in my industry. So the firm asked, they're like, well, in your business, what do you want to be called? And we'll run it through to make sure that... <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> I was like, what the hell, why not? Lifestyle development specialist. And they were like, never heard that one before. Okay, let's run it up the chain. And, we're like, and they were like, now, FINRA won't let us allow you to call yourself a lifestyle development specialist. <laughs> Too much red tape in that. But, dude, I tried. That would be awesome. You would be the very first lifestyle development specialist in the Licensed with my federal licenses that I have, yes, that's called a lifestyle development specialist. They're like, you can call yourself president. I'm like, fine, president. <laughs> Yeah, president of my company. Like the most <laughs> generic title that you can get. But I'm like, why even ask me, right? <laughs> but but yeah, if you're let's try this, you know? And dude, so I totally rolled with what you said. That's all I'm trying to tell you right now. I yep. totally rolled with what you're trying to say. That's say. awesome. Because I loved it, dude. That's totally how I see it. Yeah, man, I want to develop a lifestyle and I specialize in the relationship process of partnering with every single relationship, knowing them inside and out and developing that. Dude, it's beautiful. Yeah, man. So uh, is that good or uh, do we want to uh, delve on that some more before okay. we go to the last one? Small little bit on the accountability. I think that it's so important that when you're looking at your systems of accountability, um, 
Yes, everything I described about my workflow board creates accountability for the individual that that maximizes efficiency and production. But that is not the whole package. Um, okay. With, within that is my end goal. That's revenue generation. That's the end goal of every boss. That's that's my um, a wig, if you will. Okay? Right. I almost call it a BFG. Big freaking goal. Sure, that's not the <laughs> word I was going to choose, but we'll go with that. Sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, but my my that's the primary goal. Obviously, I want to create the best best opportunities, the best everything for everybody within my company. But the the whole point of having individual accountability is so you can have individual success as part of a team. And so I need to set up my systems in a way that I can have individuals winning as part of a team um, that people can be MVP of their stations for the day or the week or the month or the year and get recognized for that. And I don't, yeah. I don't want to make people wait five years for promotion, man. If you're ready today, then what are we waiting for? Let's promote you and recognize you. And these systems allow me to do that effectively and know that it's the right answer because they're so visually apparent that you can't miss it. And I did that to myself, so I didn't have to spend so much time focusing on the day-to-day -day operations to see if they're actually accomplishing everything I want and growing. I develop systems that show it to me, so I don't have to look for it. And it also makes my staff feel really good about themselves because they recognize when they're winning. They yeah. get recognized for performing well. Yeah. And I think that's a great place to dive into the final um, section of this conversation which measuring is success for the team yeah man let's let's have a philosophical discussion on metrics that's good that's a good way to close this um man i, I feel like we've done a good job in this conversation of course the feedback will let us know if we've done a good job in this conversation but but this is a good one to just take that momentum and bring it to a close. So this is what I have. Well, the bourbon's got me feeling really good about the bourbon's got you feeling really good. This is, <laughs> this is what I have. Then I will put the phone away. Take it from here. Ready? Show me what you got. Build out metrics to evaluate performance. That's it. That's all I got. <laughs> How is that possible? This is the this is the last episode of the season. That's all you got. Well, dude, I mean, you've already you've already teed that up. So just. Take it home. All right, I'm gonna drive this thing 500 yards right here. Let's right go. Right now, man. All right, so metrics matter immensely, but it doesn't necessarily matter which metrics you choose. Okay. I'm gonna say that again. Metrics matter immensely, but it doesn't matter which metrics you choose. Okay. Tell me what you think that means, Jason, and then I'm gonna. <laughs> well, then I'm, I'm gonna, gonna ask then you I'm questions. Put it in. Well, I'm gonna ask you questions like, what do you mean that uh, surely there's other metrics that matter more? What do you mean that it doesn't matter what metrics you use? I'm in an industry that uses a lot of really standard metrics. Okay. I do not make business decisions based off of those metrics in my business. So what are those metrics? Okay, like uh, ad average repair order is a big one. Okay. Um, gross profits a big one. Okay. Um, car counts a big one. Okay. Some of those matter, but that's not what I make my decisions off of. Um, I use metrics that people in my industry don't even know, such as lifetime customer value. 
Oh, how do you even measure that? I actually, it's just an anticipation. Like, basically, okay, let's say a customer spends an average of, I can take my average repair order for a customer and mm -hmm. say, cool, they've been here five times. On average, they spend $1,000 for easy math. Okay? okay. On average, they come every 10 months. Mm -hmm. This customer, assuming that we continue to do business, they continue to be satisfied and all these things, and then you also can account for inflation, some things like that, if you really want to get into some advanced projections. You can say, I anticipate doing business with this customer for another 15 years. And what's crazy is then I've, I can even go deeper than that and say that my customers are going to be so happy they're going to bring me other customers. Sure, sure, okay. And like like some of these people, I, I take care of all their problems for their entire family. So I worked on one dude's truck at work yeah. And then that work truck turned into, I've got a problem with my personal truck. He brought that in. He was satisfied. My wife's vehicle needs some work. They brought that in. Then yeah, man. five years down the road, their kids are driving. They bring that in. Yeah, man. So Multiply that. Multiply, compound it. Yeah, compound that 20 years down the road. Do I really need to worry about squeezing them for everything today? Heck no. I need to worry about forming trust and relationship with them so that way I can have all of their work that they ever need for the rest of their life. So you're focused on metrics that reflect the, the relationship. Of my relationship. Dude, I'm the same way. Like my industry, they care about production. They care about revenue. Uh, revenue per household. Yep. Assets under management. You know what I care about? Uh, deeply served. Yep. I care about whether you leave me a five-star review or not. I care about assets per household because assets per household tells me the quality, not the quantity. And to me, that's infinitely more important, right? Yep. Man, that's looking so good. Awesome. And oh, so what about. are we going to do with this stuff over here? Just if I can in, in, uh, interrupt our conversation. I will right show now. you when we get there. All right, good. Well, I, I have trust in you, my friend. That's good because we have a great relationship. <laughs> yes. It's been built on many years of a relationship. Love you, man. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love you too, man. Yeah. So, uh,. <laughs> Where was I going with that? So assets per household. Yes, yes, yes. So assets per household, how I know, and sorry to interrupt your train of thought. Go for it. I mean, man, dude, uh, if anything, I just want to build on what, again, it's amazing how different we are, but yet we come to the same conclusions, just maybe in different ways. Um, when it comes to client satisfaction, when it comes to deeply served, like deeply served, just so people understand what that means in my industry. That means instead of just building one goal into the financial plan, I have six goals built into the financial plan. Yep. That is someone that is deeply served, right? Um, we call that holistic. I don't have a single client where I don't have a holistic relationship with them. And so I have a process that brings me to that point. Well, I have to have metrics that measure that. So absolutely, like like when it when it comes to success, what I'm getting from this right now is that you got to make sure that you're measuring the accurate metrics 
for your goals. For what success actually is. And success is driving the relationship forward. Yep. And, so then and all your goals process- are gonna be different for every business, every business owner, every different stage mm -hmm. of business. And so I can tell you that my metrics change based off of my stages of my cycle. So we talked about in the beginning that my systems are baked into a timeline. Guess mm -hmm. what? My metrics change along that timeline as well because my goals have changed. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. so, well, I mean, understandably so. Yes. And so it goes back to it doesn't matter what metrics you're looking at. Make sure your metrics make sense for your goals. That's what you mean. Okay. Because let's face it. Because you can you can run numbers a dozen different ways. That I mean, you can go talk to any accountant. He can turn things upside down in 360 and make them look totally different using the exact same set of information based off of the metrics that he's using. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. And, and that's just financials. And then we get into exterior metrics of how many hours are we working versus how much production do we have and all these other things you can measure everything any way you want to there's infinite ways to measure yes and i highly encourage you to find new ways to measure not necessarily because they fit you but because what you have may not be optimal for what you're trying to measure at first i disagreed with what you're saying i may still disagree with what you're saying it's i don't know let me throw this out there and then feel free to tear it apart um the wildly important, your business is going to change. Yep. Because new levels, new devils, to use a cliche, right? I like that cliche. Um, go ahead. My mom gave it to me. I um, like the, uh, the wildly important goal, though, it doesn't change. The wildly important goal is focus on maximizing relationship growth. Yep. So your business is going to change, but you still want to use the same metrics that ties the automation of the processes back toward the wildly important goal, right? Right. So it does matter what what metrics you use. It does matter which metrics you use. Does that make sense? Use. Yes. So you have to use the metrics that are most important to you, but I can't tell you which metrics those are, and there's a good chance that most of the people that you're talking to can't tell you that either, and that's what I mean by that. Sure. Because so, your so industry what, what uses metrics that, that are, are completely opposite to what well, you're and using. Even with my, yeah. And, and with, I'm using that's completely opposite to what right. I'm using. So what I mean by that is it doesn't matter which metrics you use fundamentally as long as the metrics you are using are most effective for achieving the goals that you desire. Got it. So that's to say, okay, well, I'm going to count this X, Y, Z. Well, that X, Y, Z doesn't make any sense for your goals. So why are we measuring X, Y, Z if your goals are A, B, C? Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. And so people that are measuring ABC need to use metrics for ABC. People that are doing XYZ need to use metrics for XYZ. And okay. those are totally interchangeable. You might be an AC, ABC business today that's going to be an XYZ business in five years. You need to account for that as well. Interesting. I, I never thought of it that way. That... So what do we got? Are you uh, turning these, or are you just moving them off of the uh, heat? Okay, these are pretty close to being happy. I am officially moving them off the heat for the purpose of throwing on the shrimp. Ah, uh, the shrimp. Yep, I didn't forget the last piece of this puzzle. I figured we were missing something. Yeah, I was like, wasn't this surf and turf? Yeah, don't you remember that? Uh, well, that what's the secret sauce over here? Are you going to tell us what, uh, what the secret sauce is the all about? The secret sauce is specifically... Oh man, these look amazing. It's gonna be good, bro. 
So the secret sauce is nothing more than sautéed onions, jalapenos, cilantro, garlic. And you throw that right on the steak? Sautéed in butter, and it's already been warmed up and sautéed together. Yeah. We're so gonna, it's done. Yeah, we're going to throw that right on top of the steak after we pull it out while it's resting. Beautiful. So those juices can meld together. Make sure to get some good B-roll of that, Luke. That's going to be beautiful. Right. Heck yeah. This is probably the best we've eaten, and we've eaten pretty good. We've eaten really good. <laughs> you have taken the bar, good. dude, and you have I, raised I, it to the next level. I know people that are jealous of what we're eating <laughs> on our podcast that have just heard about it, yet yeah. not even seen it. So I know Like my wife. <laughs> my wife? If I'm being totally honest. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to go with the bang. It's the last one of the season. Heck um, yeah. And so I want to make sure that... Everybody's getting everything they deserve. And, man, I'm not trying to be confrontational just for the sake of being contrarian. Like, I just want to get this right. Yeah. So, we have to make sure that the metrics, A, B, C, or X, Y, Z, are properly identified. There has to be a grounding agent that keeps you centered through the entire development of your business. Right. And that's where... So I don't know if you can switch from ABC to XYZ. Does that make sense? Uh, I think you can, but it goes back to ground zero. So this is where it comes to your circular... Concentric. Concentric. Uh, <laughs> Took a while to figure that concentric out. Concentric <laughs> approach to your systems is, is the same way as my linear approach. Where It all starts with, uh, I mean, managing the chaos, which is day-to-day. Yes. And then we move into goals. Yes. And those goals are naturally progressive because goals are always based around growth. We we never plan to go we never plan to suck well, at quality life. control, making sure you're delivering on what on on right. on what on what you've promised. Sure. Yeah. And, and anyway, you do all these things, well those things are naturally going to progress as your business progresses, which means that your metrics have to change as your business grows. Not 100% of them. You might still use a, you might be an ABZ business. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah. So the core stays the same, but you might be adding, right, and yeah. taking away as things sure. move, dude. Yeah, and totally. So, uh, I I think that r- being rigid is being rigid in your mindset and your execution to some level is death to a business because absolutely times and people change and you have, you to, have to be flexible enough to change with them and flexibility is a cornerstone of success but the one thing that isn't changing and that probably won't change with time is that relationship has to be the focus agreed so those core metrics definitely have to stay agreed okay man i mean this is good, dude. If if someone has stayed with us for every single one of these episodes and they seriously have questions like on how to do this type of stuff, at this point, dude, honestly, I'll just tell you where my heart's at. I want to work with those people one-on-one. Like, I don't care. I won't even charge you. Like, if someone seriously got these type of questions at this point, and they like reach out to us and they're like, hey, how do I do this? I mean, I would love to unpack this stuff. I think it'd be really cool to do some lives to where we can have some one on, like some genuine interaction um, in the future. So if that's something that you guys want, definitely leave some 
some uh, yeah some lives that's a good way to say yeah it. i yeah, think that yeah. we'd like to do some lives and let's get some genuine a interaction with you guys so we can ask your questions and respond to some of our hater stupid comments and uh <laughs> And some other stuff along the way. I don't think we're going to have a whole lot of haters, man, just being honest. Man, <laughs> if you don't have haters, you're not winning yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, like, seriously. Like, nah, but for real. If, if you're a hater, like, you've got better things to do than to comment about us. Like, we've been hated on so much that whatever you have to say is not going to affect yeah, us. Yeah, I don't care. Like, in any way, shape, or form. We've eaten a lot of shit to <laughs> yeah. get to where we're Just at. stop watching the podcast, right? Yeah. Like, like literally, there's so many other podcasts out there that you can listen to. Just stop watching this one. Yep. That shrimp cooks up pretty quick, right? Shrimp cooks so quick. It's been a long time since I've cooked shrimp on the grill. I am really stoked about this. I can't even remember the last time. It's been a couple years. Well, I'm gonna let those cook for just a minute longer and then I'm gonna go ahead and open up the sear plate and give them a little bit of char and then everything should be good to go. Heck yeah. In fact, those steaks actually need to come off and start resting. They're at 130, so that's right at medium. So that's how you cook a freaking roast on a stick. The perfect <laughs> there you go. You know what would be a good way to end this conversation, man? What is that? So we've talked about how our lives have changed in the last six or seven years since we've been implementing the primary operating principle. Yep. And uh, you and I have been working together in our own businesses in developing each other's businesses like i've said oh look at that heck oh you can see the seasoning come out with the juices yes oh, you're man. gonna get that bourbon season flavor on it perfect now as i let those rest i'm gonna go ahead and throw the secret sauce yeah it's called the secret sauce Okay, it's the secret sauce. It but, makes it sound fun. But I already told everybody what the secret was, so it's not a well, secret anymore. So now it's the unsecret sauce. The boss sauce. And it's not even really a sauce because it's, it the boss a sauce. topping. Well, call it the boss topping. The boss topping. The boss, the boss topping. topper. The boss topper. It looks like something that you wouldn't even be able to get at Outback, to be honest with you. Oh, Outback couldn't touch this shit. <laughs> serious man That's i don't even know a steakhouse you can go to here in midland to get something like this to be honest with nah. you There's like a sacred silence as we watch this before. Oh, I know, right? Like, nothing. We're like those bulldogs that, like, we're, we're trying to hold the drool behind the lips. Like, oh, 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 so good. Oh, my goodness, man. It smells so good. So let's keep Dude, the flies yeah, off of this amazingness and that. let that rest while we're wrapping up the shrimp and the uh, veggies. Okay, so as we're wrapping off the shrimp and the veggies, dude been six episodes i thoroughly enjoyed this this has been an amazing experience shout out to luke and everyone from film hunter media making this happen dude thank you guys this is awesome this has been great so we've talked about again the last six seven years of how we've started 
our own version of the primary operating principle, how we've gotten to this level, how you and I have spoken into each other's businesses. Like I've said before in the past, your DNA, like, like your fingerprints are all over the DNA of my business. And, um, and, and, and I'm totally serious about that. So the next six to seven years, what do you hope? What do you envision personally as you continue down this path on doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on the primary operating principle and scaling? That's my next thing is, is scaling. That's what the next five years looks like for Describe me. Describe it. Like, um, like, throw it out there. Speak it into the universe. What are you hoping the next six to seven years looks like? Man, the next six to seven years, I hope to have two more locations. I hope to diversify my services and start working on European cars, which I currently don't work on at all. Um, develop a staff to operate that, but still use my core foundation of the primary operating principle that I'm operating out of now and all of that expansion and use that to assist me in expanding. Um, yeah, I think I'd like to be at three locations with diversified services operating at a maximum level of service in six to seven years. Awesome. That's, that's where I see myself along with uh, furthering my real estate venture as well. I mean, that's kind of, they, they, they blend together. Yeah. Personally, do you want to add anything personally to that? Where do you hope personally to be in the next six, seven years? I mean, the business and the personal yeah. to us is so integrated. It's yeah. hard to separate them. It's hard to separate. So, I mean, I really want to be a big part of my family's lives. Uh, I am already, but I want to sure. I want to have more availability and more time for myself to spend with my family. That's one of my big things. I want more of everything. I think that's the best way to put it. I want more of everything. <laughs> yeah. Like, and not in a greedy way, but in a selfless way. Like, I want to be the best me for everybody around me. Yeah. Um, I want to be the best dad of my kids. I want to be able to provide them opportunities I never had in every aspect of their life. What do you think is a realistic expectation? Honestly, a realistic expectation. Do you think you can be, in the next six to seven years, do you think you can be double of what you are? Triple? I think I can triple Ten up. times? I think. Okay, I can triple my size and 10x my value. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Please continue. What does that mean? Okay. I believe in, in scaling that as you scale, efficiency improves, which means that as you grow, you can do more with less. Yeah. And so when I say I, I, I can triple my size and 10x my value, I think that I can literally triple my size as far as like real reality, like three shops, three times as much staff, three times as many everything. But I can do it so efficiently at that size that my overall value is 10 x Yeah, 100% love it. Uh, you know that I'm totally behind that. That, 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 that. that goes to the old story of the Clydesdale horses, right? Like you put two horses together and they uh, pull uh, not two times their weight, but three times. Right. And then if you can train them to work together, then they pull five times. Right. Right. And that's kind of speaking to the same idea of 10xing your value. Right. So, yeah, I want to 10x my value and triple my size. That's, and that's a good way of putting it, man. I think I want to do the same thing in my personal life. Yeah. I want to have three times as much impact, but I want to 10x the value. Okay. Like, I think that I want to do that. Like you said, they're, they're really conjoined. Everything we do, 
there's no barrier. I'm never off. Right. I'm always true. I'm always on, and it's just like, what hat am I wearing? Am I dad? Am I husband? Am I uh, uncle? Am I boss? Am I mentor? Am I coach? Yep. Uh, doesn't matter. I'm always on. It's just which hat am I putting on this time? Right. And at a certain at level we're playing at, we don't. The hats change themselves. Yes, they do. You just show up and execute. Yes, they do. I, I don't. I yeah, put that, that, well? that makes sense, man. That's poetically put. So that's that's where I see myself. I see myself triple volume 10x value. Heck yeah, man. And I think that's a great goal. And I think it's achievable. And I think it's worthwhile and admirable. I, I like what you told me last night. Like, just imagine. I mean. What we've Look done in the last six to six seven years, years imagine what and just we imagine what we'll do in the next six to seven and, years. And to be crazy, what's crazy about that is like, but my reality is, is I'm probably going to 5x my size and 40x my value because of the same thing I told you last night. We overestimate what we can do in a year. We underestimate what we can do in five. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And so if I'm underestimating at three three x ten x, then that means I'm probably five x thirty x. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, reality, on a larger scale. The way I've put it is that God continually exceeds my expectations. Like I plan on on achieving this, and then I'm pleasantly surprised that it's compounded. It's so much more significantly. Yes. And those things happen all at once, too. It's crazy. You actually think that you're failing, and then you realize you just failed up, and you were just looking yeah. in the wrong direction. I thought I was failing until I looked down and realized, well, I'm pretty high up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. Well, I will tell you what, man. We did not fail on dinner tonight. I'm going to go It's good to go? It is good is to go. Is that a wrap? That is a wrap. All right, So we're going to go ahead and pull these veggies off. They are good to go. We're going to pull this shrimp off. They're good to go. And we're going to go inside and dive into this amazing smorgasbord of Texas goodness. Wish you guys were here right now. Y'all could enjoy this with us. Oh, show. Oh, wait a minute. Surprise. What's surprise? Surprise. surprise. Special announcement. We have a wrap-up party special episode coming your way it's party on the patio and I it, is it was party at the pavilion well yeah i have a pavilion it's a pavilion <laughs> i have a series of patios called a pavilion and we're gonna have a party at it and that is the next wrap-up episode we're gonna sit down we're gonna debrief this entire season talk to you we're gonna bring our camera crew in yeah. you'll see luke and you'll see Adam and for our, the first time. And, and our families. And our families, you'll hear our kids running in the background uh, while we're on my pavilion. We're gonna wrap it all up. We're gonna talk about, like I said, this season, but also next season. Season two. We're gonna tease some of that. So thank you all so much for being a part of this conversation. Again, I'm Jason Gould. This is Barbecue, Bourbon, and Business. Thank you for being a part of Mastermind Midland. Y'all have a great day until next time. God bless.